Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Report. This is a uh, replacement podcast because I am currently out this week. I am unavailable to record the normal show. So I figured we return to something I did a long time ago for a kind of like filler podcast. And that is ranking a uh, game series. I did Final Fantasy previously. And the nice thing about Final Fantasy is I had played every single mainline one for the most part. You know, there's some stuff in 14 I'm missing because that game's ongoing, right? Um, but largely I was able to, uh, you know, go over the entire list. Um, in the case of Castlevania... Uh, that is not the case where there are definitely games I have not gotten to yet. And I, we're going to kind of talk about why I may have not gotten to them yet as a kind of a supplemental thing here. Um, but I think I've played enough that we probably can get a, a good chunk of things uh, rated here. So I'm just using that um, service or, or website called Tier Maker that uh, people use to go through these. I did not double check to make sure every Castlevania game is on here, um, but there seems like there's some pretty niche things on here. So I think for the most part, um, we'll be good to go on on ranking the majority of these. And if there's anything I, I notice missing, I'm sure I'll, I'll know. Um, so this is going to be uploaded in audio form on anchor.fm uh, throughout all the podcast channels and everything. However, I will be having this kind of tier tracker thing on the YouTube version uh, to kind of track, uh, you know, where things are at. Um, so, but I'll try to, you know, verbally, you know, describe things and we'll do a read through at the end here. Um, I have not really done this before where I'm like setting a tier list. I have done with Final Fantasy before. I like rated them in a certain order. In this case, we're going to do a tier list. So this is new to me. See how this goes. Um, I feel like the first thing we'll want to do though is, uh, essentially kind of establish the top and the bottom, right? Go, go to what was the S tier for me, and then what is the D tier. And what's going to be very important when we're going through these, if you, if you don't know who I am, um, I'm somebody who values a lot of things in games that doesn't necessarily come down to the quality of a game. Um, the quality does play a role, but there are a lot of other things that, that matter a lot to me. In a, in a Castlevania game, uh, or in games in general. So you're going to see some things on here that probably won't rank where you, you normally would think they're going to be. Um, you might get upset, <laughs> but you know, again, these are all just opinions. I would think of this more of like a favorite Castlevania game list, not a best Castlevania game list or whatever. Um, but if you know who I am, you know, at the very top of every Castlevania list for me, it's going to be, um, Castlevania, uh, 64. So let me go ahead and find that here. Here's Castlevania 64, just called Castlevania. Um, I've made a whole video about why I like Castlevania and why it is a, a great game for me. Is it funky in a lot of ways? Yeah. Um, but what I like about it a lot is it takes a lot of what, what the franchise was doing beforehand and kind of combines it into one game. And it feels like it has a, a really um, good mix of exploration elements, a mix of like 3D combat in addition to platforming, just something that the older games, you know, uh, did have a focus on and attempted to meld all those things into a one 3D experience. And it was made around the time that like this very early 3D era of game design where people in some ways were kind of promising the world. They're like, we're going to make entire worlds. Like I think about all the time how all these Nintendo 64 games are always like, hey, you're going to plant a tree and it's going to grow kind of thing, right? And Castlevania very much comes out of that era. Like there are old SGI system demos for Castlevania 64 where it's just like these, you know, generically rendered models of the characters from Castlevania 64. And so there's a lot of like interesting ambition to this game as well of like we're going to have a day-night cycle, a time system. You know, there's certain events that happen at certain times of day. And you just see like all that attempting to come together in Castlevania 64 does it get there? 
Not entirely, um, and there are a lot of problems this game has, not only from being an early 3D video game, but also problems I think that people just don't really try to tackle today. I don't think you have a lot of 3D like action arc-like games um, attempting to have you combat while you're platforming, especially like an in-depth combat that's not just like a single hit and keep moving. I'm sure there are scenarios and cases, but I don't think that's like a very common thing you have because I think people have just found that like operating a camera control while you're platforming um, while trying to get in combat and having the controls be functional for both of those scenarios at once is just not an easy thing to do in 3D games. So I think a lot of games very much try to avoid that and they create like pockets of combat, um, essentially. So you'll do some platforming and then you'll get to a, a, a little area where you fight an enemy kind of thing. And, and Castlevania 64 has some of that. Um, but, but I think when, when, in Castlevania 64, you do have more scenarios where you're engaging with an enemy on a small platform and things like that. Where, where I feel like in most other games, a lot of the enemies that are thrown at you are treated more as a part of the platforming challenge, not as this separate combat thing that happens while you're moving forward in a level. So I think that's why I like Castlevania 64 so much. There's a lot of story elements I like about um, the game as well, specifically with Carrie Fernandez. I always have a soft spot for like adopted children and like, you know, having that connection to you know, a parent or, or I, I think it was her, like her mother specifically, despite not having that like blood relation and how that rolls into her, like the story with, um, I don't know how you pronounce it, like actress or whatever, where she, you know, essentially sacrificed all her ch children for power kind of thing and having that kind of, you know, uh, uh, two different sides of the thing in, in some ways. So I, I love Castlevania 64 a lot. And so I think, you know, I do want to kind of put that at the S tier list here. Um, again, this is not about the best Castlevania game, but this is my absolute favorite Castlevania game. So I haven't thought too much about what my least favorite Castlevania game is. And keep in mind, I have not played um, all of these games. So you might be like, why is this really terrible game like Haunting Grounds? I think that's on this list somewhere. Why is that not uh, uh, on this uh, being on putting your D tier? It's because I have not um, played them yet. So I'm going to go through here real quick. I actually don't know. I think Vampire Kiss is Dracula X, right? It looks like the Japanese box art for that. I have not played that game. And we'll go through all the ones I have not played uh, by the end here. So I'm going to scroll through here real quick. Mm, I'm going to put Harmony of Despair there for a second. That seems like a very good contender, um, but I'm going to I'm gonna come back to that after I go through this uh, list of titles here, just to make sure nothing else jumps out at me as like, oh man, this is the one I, I dislike the most. Harmony of Dissonance is maybe close. I do need to reevaluate Harmony of Dissonance at some point. Um, yeah, I think, I think it is reasonable for us to say Harmony of Despair. Um, I will say this. There's a very good chance I did not approach Harmony Despair in the right way. If you don't know what Harmony Despair is, this is the multiplayer, um, almost, uh, I guess you could say, Monster Hunter-ish. Like, there's, there's a loot-driven aspect behind the game. Um, you'd spawn in this giant castle, and um, you kind of have to navigate around it. And it's a game, I think, that just does not, for me, work on a lot of levels. Um, one, the different in scale in terms of what you can see um, makes it so the combat feels really weird to me. Maybe the characters moving the exact same way they move in the original games, but because you can see more of the screen and you can see them at different scopes, the game feels a lot slower than your typical Castlevania game, I think, when you move around the environment. And because like the visual design of the level is so dense and then you can like zoom out and see so much of the level, it's really hard to kind of track where you're going. And eventually you go and you, know, you fight the boss and then 
then, and then you do it over and over and over again, and you grind it. Um, I pretty much went through and played through all the levels once and was like, I don't really want to do this again, honestly. Um, and when I looked at what, how you grind in that game, it was really, really grindy. A lot of just going and killing old enemies over and over and over again in a variety of ways. Each character has their own way to level, which I do super respect, actually. I think that's really cool that they took elements of each character's, like, um, cause, so if you don't know, that this, like, had a combination of characters from a variety of games. So it has, like, Alucard, Shinoa, uh, Soma, uh, uh, a bunch of different characters. And so they have their own ways of leveling kind of based off their game and things like that. And so I do like appreciate that aspect and how each character plays like fairly differently. And I think the general idea behind this game is really cool. But when I sat down and played it, it's just, the, it felt really bad to play. I didn't really feel like there was a good like end goal. You know, generally the end goal seemed to be just to grind higher and higher and higher, which is not a bad thing per se, but I don't think that the game um, gave me any real payoff in terms of equipment making me feel better or or like nothing really felt like it was making the game play better over time kind of thing. And And because you're like kind of repeating the same levels over and over and over again, I just felt like I didn't really... I don't know, I didn't really feel like I was applying my new skills for anything interesting because I had already kind of determined how to finish that level. I feel like I'm a hypocrite here because I like I like games like Fantasy Star Online and things like that and Fantasy Star Universe, but I think there's a difference between like how Fantasy Star Online plays and how like the different weapons can, can kind of affect your play style, um, where I feel like the different stuff that I picked up in Harmony of Despair never really affected how I played the game. Um, I think there are a lot, there are actually a lot of people who like Harmony of Despair. I think there's like a fan community who made a PC version that's like its own thing, and I think that's really cool. And I still think that I, if I went back to Harmony Despair, I may actually come to a different conclusion about the game. Um, but at this time, at least, uh, it is probably one of my least favorite Castlevania games, unfortunately. So, all right. So we got we got a top and a bottom there. So I think at this point we can kind of go here piece by piece and figure some things out. Let's actually like establish a middle ground here as well, because you know I think when we talk about Castlevania. One thing that we that you can think about is uh, kind of like very particular points in the franchise's history where um, certain games really kind of defined, um, uh, uh, you know, the direction of the games themselves. Um, so I'm trying to look for Castlevania Scythia Night here, which is right here. I I'm gonna be a little bit of a <laughs> for some reason my brain a little bit of a dirty boy. Um, for now, mm, I'm going to put Cynthia Knight, Cynthia Knight at like a C level. Now, this is something that's going to need a little explaining. Um, as I've already kind of explained a lot of these things. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long to get through all these. Um, okay, you might be like, why is this at C, Ben? Why are you defiling the Cynthia the Knight name? I don't think there's a problem with Cynthia Knight as a game. Um, but when I think about Cynthia Knight in the context of the franchise, I think there's a problem. So if you don't know, Castlevania Cynthia Knight was a pretty big deal in the Castlevania franchise. It kind of established a new formula for the series. Um, and it is uh, really influential in that regard. It is a very important game in history. And, and I would say, overall, a very good video game. Um, but, and I... I have this like, like this feeling that I get from games like Cynthia the Night. I think of like Super Mario Brothers three, um, like A Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past, things like that, where these games get iterated on so much over and over and over again. We have like at least six games in here, if not seven or eight, that follow the formula formula of Cynthia the Night. 
and they build upon Cynthia Knight. Now, do they do everything as well as Cynthia Knight? No, each game kind of has its own strengths and downsides and things like that. But Cynthia Knight is kind of the baseline for it. And because it's the baseline, it for me specifically, it's almost kind of boring to play because it's like, okay, well, I can play any of these other Castlevania games and have their own unique gimmicks. But then, you know, Castlevania Cynthia Knight here is just kind of, you know, the baseline whatever for me. And as somebody who really cares about, like, experiencing interesting games and, like, talking about, like, what makes like certain games interesting, unique, and unique, Cynthia Knight is a game that does not really do that for me. Um, there's very little in Cynthia Knight that I think is interesting to talk about outside of the context of what it did for the Castlevania franchise at this point. And that's not Cynthia Knight's fault. That's the fault of a bunch of games being built on top of Cynthia Knight afterwards in my opinion so i'm gonna put this at the c level i reserve the right to move these if we're feeling something a bit later but for now we're gonna start with that um so let's go ahead and like maybe get into some of these uh more random games here don of sorrow castle don of sorrow let me think about this so don of sorrow is a, a game that um i personally did not like love love when it came out um I think it's a game that um, is maybe a little safe for Castlevania. You know, you had Area of Sorrow just before it, and, and Dawn of Sorrow feels like a little safe in that regard. So maybe it makes more sense to talk about Area of Sorrow first here, actually. I think Area of Sorrow is an amazing game. Maybe the best, uh, like when we talk about, when I talk about the best, this is maybe the game I think is maybe the best Castlevania game in a lot of ways. It has some problems with presentations being on the Game Boy Advance, and I haven't played that HD collection to see how it cleaned up some of those aspects. But, you know, it, the visual quality and, and audio quality is a little a little underwhelming in some ways. But I think as a game as a whole, it's very cool. The Soul System is a very um, unique way to kind of introduce a lot of new, interesting skills that the player can use. You know, I think one thing that you can say about Castlevania City of the Night is that it did introduce a ton of variety of weapons. And each of those weapons has a ton of different ways that they let you play the game and they change how you play the game. And I, a lot of the Castlevania games that are built off City of the Night um, pull from that and and so I think it was important with Area of Sorrow to establish something that was separate from that and the soul system makes you know a basically you know breaks it out where, where you don't need just some melee weapon kind of thing you can make a variety of spells that do a variety of different things summon like enemy or like spirits that are behind you change you into a monster that you can attack things with you know make you into a little little like skeletons you can throw curry with things like that um, there are some other aspects of the Castlevania series that also do this, but I think Area of Sorrow um, is is kind of the fully fleshed out version of that, and it like makes the collection of those very easy, where it's just kill an enemy and you get their spirit. I don't remember if the spirits, like the number you collect of an enemy, if that increases the power of that one. I can't remember if that's like an official thing or just maybe something at the time I was like, maybe this happens kind of thing, but... Um, I'm going to put Area of, Taro, Area of Sorrow as like an S-tier Castlevania, I think. I was debating an A-tier... Um, but I think there's just a lot of really cool things it does for the franchise as a whole. And unfortunately, while I, you know, do think Donna Sorrow, um, does make some improvements, like the ability to do like the AB switching and things like that, um, where you're switching between, uh, um, different, or maybe it's like ABC, uh, I think, yeah, I think, I think Donna Sorrow introduced like the ability to switch between two different sets of, um, of souls and things like that. I just don't quite think it's, um... 
it's of the same quality of Area of Sorrow, like from a level design perspective and a uniqueness perspective. I also think the writing's a little worse in a lot of ways too. I think there's just a, everything about Donna Sorrow is like still good Area of Sorrow content, but just kind of a little worse in a lot of ways. It reminds me like, you know, when you look at like the art style of Donna Sorrow, it feels like that where it's like everything feels like a slight downgrade in a lot of ways. And the art looks like a feels like a slight downgrade from like Kojima's art and things like that. So I was going to put this at A, but honestly, um, I would put this at A if it was a downgrade, but maybe it introduced something unique to it. But it just has like touch controls, which I don't think added anything for the most part. I'm a big DS and Wii fan. I do not think the touch controls um were nearly good enough to really justify anything as like a unique aspect of this game so i'm actually going to drop this down to a b tier for now at least we'll see how that goes uh vampire kiss i think this is dracula x i could be wrong i have not played it either way um if it is dracula x i'll kind of talk about dracula x as i as i eye up this list here but um the problem with dracula x is that it is on the super nintendo and i do not really play that many super nintendo games honestly when i looked at it you know it is kind of based off the turbo graphics uh 16 dracula x so that's dracula x that's why it's called vampire kiss i believe um and so i always felt like i should play the turbo graphics 16 game first before i play the the kind of lower budget um uh super nintendo game as far as i'm aware it is a, its own game for the most part though even though it shares a lot of aspects from dracula x we're just going to leave it down here on this list here but um it, it is something that i think i will eventually maybe try to play but i think it is very low priority because as far as i'm aware it does not really have a lot going on in it other than just being kind of like a more traditional castlevania game after like castlevania 4 on the super nintendo Castlevania Lament of Innocence. This is a hard one for me because I think when I played it at the time, I probably could not really fully appreciate what it was doing. Um, but if I were to put it somewhere, I would say probably in, let us say the C tier for this. Um, the reason why I might not, like I was thinking about D maybe, but I think the C tier reasoning for me is um, I remember like revisiting this game recently and there being some like interesting aspects in regards to like different skills you can like uh, set up with like different elemental abilities if I recall correctly that made you do like different special moves. I'm hoping I remember this correctly, um, but I did not really have that like experience when I was playing the game itself. I mainly just kind of did the usual whipping of, you know, slapping enemies and the, all the 3D like Castlevanias that came out after the 64 ones had the problem with like space and like pacing where like the combat in the individual rooms did not feel particularly great. They didn't like, like the, uh, I, I, I don't really, when you have the like, games like devil may cry out there, I feel like something like lament of innocence just feels a little underwhelming and a little janky in a way. I recently played through like sort of a as well. And I feel like that game has that same problem where it's just like, you don't feel like you have nearly as much control as you'd like. Where I feel like in Castlevania 64, weirdly enough, even though it is kind of stiff and janky, you know, you do kind of have a freedom to move around quite a bit more and, and you have a lot more ability to kind of close in on enemies pretty quickly. And I feel like Lament of Innocence, at least in its core moveset, um, I, I always felt like there's just maybe too much like space to navigate around. A lot of like walking down hallways with like nothing in it. But like when you think about 2D Castlevania games, there's usually like some kind of like ripple that's going on. And because there's a lot of backtracking, I think it stands out more than like a Castlevania 64 game. So um, I do love the voice acting, though. It is cheesy, good, fun voice acting. And, and, and I love that much. I do love, you know, Joachim Armster and You Are Not Walter or whatever. 
Um, but for now, I think we're going to put this at a C level for this, unfortunately. So I, I, I this is one of those games that I really should probably revisit. Um, I have not played Castlevania Bloodlines. That is something I do want to play. Um, it is probably higher on the list than Vampire Kiss, mainly because it has two characters you can play as, uh, with Eric Lacarde's spear being kind of a unique um, uh, move set within the Castlevania universe as a whole. Um, he has the ability to like pull vault up and things like that. I think that's really cool. Um, I have not played that many Genesis games, but I believe that this game is on the um, Castlevania collection that was put out a few years back. So that is on my list of to do Castlevania Chronicles. I have not played that one either. Um, that is, I believe based off the X 68,000 game, which may have been a remake of the original Castlevania trying to remember off the top of my head with that. Um, but yeah, I never, unfortunately never got around to that one. Uh, I believe I might own it on PlayStation network on like the PS three PlayStation classics. I'd had to boot up my PS one or PS three to see, um, but this one, yeah, I'm not sure why I never checked this one out. I do like the cover art a lot, but I think whenever I looked at the game itself, nothing really like stood out to me a ton. I think I'd rather play Bloodlines first. So uh, my intention is to eventually play all Castlevania games through. And like, thankfully, I don't think any of them are like nearly as hard as like Castlevania 3, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I will check that one out eventually. But yeah, I, I do like the art style a lot on the box at least, but I don't remember that translating to the game very well at all. So... Castlevania Curse of the Moon. <laughs> That's a good... Or Circle of the Moon, sorry. Uh, that is a good question for this one. So I'm a little mixed on Circle of the Moon. When I think about the core gameplay mechanics of Castlevania Circle of the Moon, um, uh, I don't remember if I've been ver like audibly saying what ranks I'm putting these in. So let me just say, I put Castlevania 64 in S, Castlevania Area Sorrow in S, Castlevania Ar Dawn of Sorrow in B, Cynthia Knight C, Lament of Innocence C, and then uh, Harmony of Despair is in D. I'll try to remember to say that if I have not been doing that. So Curse of the Moon is a weird one, though, or, or sorry, Circle of the Moon, um, because I think the core game itself is not very good. It is, it is maybe falls a little closer to like Lament of Innocence, where it, like everything just feels like there's a little too much space to navigate around. And uh, Nathan himself is very um, kind of chunky in how he moves about. But I do have a ton of appreciation for the DSS card system. I really like the DSS card system because it really changes how you find items, new abilities, and spells in Castlevania. And it made it kind of cool because like when you found one card, it kind of increased the number of things that you would get all at once. And the more cards you had, you know, the more you had to play with every time you find, found a new card. And I thought that was like a really cool aspect of the game. And it, it really did kind of open up the, um, the like, creativity behind you know, what types of skills you can have in the game. Now, Area of Sorrow did do this later. I just think Area of Sorrow's delivery method was a bit more streamlined. And the actual things in, the, like, the actual spells you got from, like, monsters and things like that um, were a lot more interesting in actual execution. But I do think that, like, the Curse of the Moon is a, a good starting point for the Circle of the Moon. All these, like, names that are way too close to each other in, in Castlevania and Blood Bloodstained. Also, by the way, they put Bloodstained games on this list, so we're going to talk about those a little bit as well. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and put Castlevania Circle of the Moon um, at the B level. You know, I think it's probably quality wise, maybe down towards the C level. But I think the, the DSS card system specifically, there's also like the class based system stuff you can do as well after you beat the game. I think that's all really cool. And I think it makes this game kind of feel somewhat unique um, from the rest of the games. 
Castlevania Belmont's Revenge. I believe that is the second Game Boy Castlevania game. If you have not guessed, I have not played it yet. I don't think I've played through the majority of these Castlevania Game Boy games. I have played the adventure. We'll get into that in a little bit. Unfortunately, I just don't know much about this game. I know people like it um, and that it is one of the good ones uh, on the on the Game Boy. And I believe it is in that collection that we, we discussed earlier that, that was put out by Konami a few years back. Um, but I have not played it, so I'm going to leave that down here. Um, will I play it? it would, I think I'm interested in checking out all the Game Boy games, but I feel like Legends, I think, is the other one we'll talk about here in a second. Um, I think I always had more of an interest in that game because of the story place it was, um, because it's, like, based off, like, Sonya Belmont, things like that. So, Belmont's Revenge, we'll be leaving you there, but rest in peace for now. I will get to you, eventually, maybe. Um, Castlevania Judgment. Um, Castlevania Judgment is a game I played more than I should. <laughs> I'm a big fan of like Power Stone and, 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 and really maybe saying that I'm a big fan of like arena fighters, despite me not playing a lot of them. Um, however, I think what I expected out of Castlevania Judgment was more in line with Power Stone versus like a, um, arena fighter, like a virtual on or something like that. Um, and I feel like Castlevania Judgment is a little more serious than, like, a Power Stone in a lot of ways, but it does have some interesting ideas with, like, the ability to pick up sub-weapons on the map, you know, get hearts and use those to, like, you know, use the sub-weapons mid-combo and things like that. I think there's a lot of things that are, that are holding Castlevania Judgment back, specifically kind of the inability for you to get really creative with your combos. It feels very, like, Gundam Extreme-ish, where, like, when you do a combo, you kind of do your entire combo all at once. And as long as you can get them in that initial combo, you just do that combo and you go through it. Um, but any like creativity on the player's part in terms of comboing always felt like something that was broken and not intended. Like you could throw holy water mid combo and it would like kind of hit the enemy and you could kind of bounce them from there. But it really messed with the, the game's physics a little bit. So it made it just kind of weird to, to get into. Um, so from a combat perspective, I do not think Castlevania Judgment is a particularly great game, unfortunately. Um, I will say though, I do really appreciate the fan service from like focusing on characters and giving them a story, you know, that they may not necessarily have had without it. I'm a big fan of like Grant Dynasty, D Dynasty, I don't know how you pronounce it, Grant Dynasty or D Dynasty story. Um, and like his whole thing with like the orphanage and things like that after Castlevania 3. Um, um, but it is, uh, I'd say at times a little shallow. It is very much a fighting game, but it does, it is at least try with its story, which I do, I do appreciate. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put this at the C level. Unfortunately, there are some really cool ideas here, I think overall. Um, but I don't really feel like any of them really come to any kind of full, not even like full execution, but like, I think they're cool ideas and not something that you can really feel in the game as like a, a somewhat unique thing. Like, I think that when I think about like the DSS card system in, um, um, curse or circle of the moon or like how Castlevania 64 has a lot of ideas that it fails on, um, is I feel like you can still feel those aspects in the game and like, they feel satisfying to work with, even if they're not like super graceful. Um, I don't think Castlevania's Judgment has that, unfortunately. Um, personally. Uh, amazing music, though. Great soundtrack. It has, like, a Castlevania 64 uh, soundtrack remix, too, with, um, I think his name's Renan, the um, the shopkeeper's uh, music. I have loved that song. It's so good. So, yeah. Uh, that's at the C level, if I did not say that earlier. So we're putting that on the C tier. 
Castlevania Legends, I believe that's what it's called. These thumbnails are a little hard to read, so they're a little small. Um, I have not played uh, Legends, unfortunately. I do not own a copy of this game. I think it is expensive, and I do not think it's in that collection. I could be wrong about that. Um, I always thought this was interesting, though, just from where it takes place in the storyline, because I think it's like technically like at the one of the earliest parts in the Castlevania storyline. Um, but I think because of what Igarashi did with the story, it got like knocked out of canon. Um, although I'm a little confused on where that was, because I know Castlevania 64 got knocked out of canon for a little while and then kind of ended up back in canon at some point. So, um, but yeah, it was like kind of interesting because it was like pre-Castlevania 3, pre-Trevor Belmont. Um, I think maybe the first Lady Belmont as well. And uh, there's like kind of some like story stuff that people assumed regarding uh, her and like, um, I'm trying to remember like Alucard and maybe like Trevor being a, a son of them or something. I don't know how actually true that was. I'm pulling some random probably like fan like <laughs> theorying that I read on the internet probably like 12 years ago at this point, but um, this is kind of on the, maybe I'll play this eventually someday kind of thing. It would probably be the first Game Boy game I'd really go out of my pl way to play if I played them out of order, I will say. So, Dracula X for the TurboGrafx-16. I have not really played this game, unfortunately. I've only played the PSP remake, Dracula X Chronicles, so I cannot say much about this game, but it does seem like a fantastic game. Um, and everything, you know, I know about Dracula X Chronicles and how that game plays, you know, is, is, is fantastic. And I'd imagine this game is that, if not better in some ways, um, in terms of just like the, the, the pacing and movement and things like that. Um, I don't remember how faithful Dracula X Chronicles is to Dracula X, but, um, yeah, I think they are kind of similar. I think this was in the collection with Cynthia the Night and Dracula X. I don't think it's like a part of the other collection with a bunch of random games, I can't, I think I picked up that, that collection with the night and Dracula X. So I am, I am prepared to play this and this looks like an amazing game to play through. Um, I think, I think this is high on my list of Castlevania games to get to. I think this is one of those games where I don't really know much about what would be unique to me about it. Um, especially after playing Dracula X Chronicles. So I may not actually like playing through it. Um, but it's just so well regarded that I feel like I have to at some point. So, yeah, we'll see. Have not played the Game Boy version of Kid Dracula. I don't really have much to say about that. So we'll just pass on that. Uh, there's the uh, Famicom version down here somewhere, I'm pretty sure. So we'll talk about that. Then, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin. Okay, back to video games I've actually played. <laughs> Castlevania Portrait of Ruin. Um, I actually initially did not like this game. Um, I don't know why. I think part of it was because the writing felt very um, juvenile and like a very like, it's the kind of the thing that you kind of run into with like Xenoblade Chronicles in some ways where people are like, well, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is anime and why are you saying Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is anime but Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is not? Well, yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is anime. Most JRPGs are anime, right? Um, but there's like a different style of writing in a lot of ways. And that does not mean that Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is entirely, you know, straight faced the whole time. You have the scene with Ricky and everything where he like is spiked into the water or whatever. Like it's silly, it's goofy, it's fun. There's stuff like that. But I think there's a particular type of writing that gets like into anime a lot that, that when it bleeds over to a game or it bleeds over a little bit to Portrait of Ruin and it just like makes some of the delivery come off as flat and generic and you're just kind of like... This just the humor is just like not really fitting this world in some ways with Portrait of Ruin. Um, however, I do really like 
um jonathan charlotte they're, they're kind of contrasting abilities because they are two separate characters that you can swap between actively during playing that's really cool um and like charlotte has spells and jonathan has melee attacks and i think the one big regret i have about um, portion of ruin is that even though it did have online play it was very simple and i would have loved to have seen you know what portrait of ruin would look like with like a fully functional online mode where you can play the campaign with somebody online maybe a bit ambitious for the ds right <laughs> but i would love to see what that would look like in the future like to be able to combo truly combo you know charlotte's and jonathan's skills together and i wouldn't be surprised if that was the intentional at some point um because that that online part of the game feels so much like an afterthought i feel like they were trying to do something and they just could not get it to work and they're like well we have all this work and this work so why not you know, have the player go through this boss rush thing or whatever. But I do really like the characters of this game, even though the dialogue itself is a little underwhelming. Um, and I do like the uh, world design. I think what's really cool about Portrait of Ruin is it does take you out of the castle. One of the biggest problems since Cynthia the Night with Castlevania games is that it would not take let you leave the castle. You were stuck in the same areas over and over and over again. You're like, this is the clock tower yet again. And, you know, some of those things do still show up in Portrait of Ruin, but they have it where you go through the portraits in a Mary Mario 64 kind of way go to different worlds that's really cool amazing soundtrack as well with with portrait of ruin um so i think there there are a lot of problems and inconsistencies with portrait of ruin i do really appreciate what this title was trying to do in a lot of ways not only from the two character aspect but also opening up the game into going into a variety of different landscapes and a variety of different worlds so i'm gonna put that at the a level for that Plain Vanilla Castlevania 1, I believe this is, on the NES, unless they broke out the Master System version here separately or something. I think this might be the Master System, or not the Master System, the MSX version. So guess what? Have not played that. I believe that is Vampire Killer for the MSX that I'm looking at there. So never mind. Um, we will get back to that then. But yeah, I've never played the MSX game. Uh, maybe someday. I have ne not thought about playing MSX games at all. PC-98 has been very much my interest in that kind of regard. So, so I may die never playing a Masters or MSX game. So, I don't, why do you keep saying Master System? All about that. Oh God, Castlevania: The Mirrors of Fate. I desperately want to play this game. This is something I really want to get into. This is a game I completely ignored when it came out um, because I did not like Lords of Shadow very much, which we'll get into when we get to Lords of Shadow. I'm kind of upset that some of these games are like in weird spots. Like Lords of Shadow is way down here in the bottom hand corner. The Lords of Shadow Two is up here. Makes me have to like think my like with my brain and be like, do I want to talk about this first or I want to talk about this second? Um, but like Mirrors of Fate is a game that when I saw what happened in Lords of Shadow One, I was like, I really don't want anything to do with this, just because there's there's a lot of not a lot of interest in Lords of Shadow One for me. And then I played Lords of Shadow 2. And Lords of Shadow 2 is a special game in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but in Lords of Shadow 2 at the beginning, they're like, hey. Let's sum up the events that happen in Mirrors of Fate. And Mirrors of Fate, story-wide at least, seems crazy. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Like, I clearly miss a lot. Um, and so after that, I've always wanted to try that game out. And I think there's like a novelty and kind of that more, like, I guess you could say God of War style Castlevania game being presented in a 2D fashion. I don't know if there's any portable God of War games that didn't go for a style that wasn't just trying to, you know, faithfully recreate the PS2 God of War experience. Um, so I, I don't know if any other game really tried to have that in-depth combat system on a 2D level. So there's a lot of things of interest to me in Mirrors of Fate. I think the thing I ran into was 
the physical copy on 3DS I didn't want because I didn't have a way to capture 3DS games at the time. And then I believe it was only available digitally on PS3 and 360, and I didn't want to buy it digitally because I used to have I used to take a lot stronger stance against physical versus digital on this kind of stuff. Although I didn't th think they eventually released like a collection that included it, but I think it was a download code. I don't know that for sure, but I believe that I know for sure it was in a collection. I have no idea if it was like download or if it was on the disc or not. So. Um, but yeah, that's something I want to check out someday. I have not looked into the pricing of that thing recently. If it's cheap enough, I would like to sit down. That might be a good stream game, depending on how long it is, but yes. Castlevania Curse of Darkness. This is the PS2 game, the follow-up to Castlevania Lament of Innocence. Oh, I like this game in terms of its story and characters. I dig Hector. I dig St. Germain. I dig the like evil monk dude from a gameplay perspective. I do not like this game very much at all. I remember the big focus of this game being a focus on um, like the pet system. And I am typically not really big into pet games. Um, that is not always true. Big fan of Spectropes. Um, but I typically am not a big fan of pet games with, with that. Uh, I think the pro the secondary problem is that the action just does not feel good. Um, there are a lot of really cool, unique things in this game. If you want to go deep into Curse of Darkness, there are some really awesome, like, if you're going to 100% Curse of Darkness, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by what you can get in there. There's a ton of furniture you can get, weird little Easter eggs in that game, all that kind of stuff. And there's like a, a interesting fan base that kind of dragged itself out of this game and there's like a gambling game out there you can find in casinos based off curse of darkness there's a manga there's a fan base that loves Perrin, like hector and isaac and all that stuff like there's some really fascinating things about this game i think most of it does not apply to the main like game you play though i think it's only if you really go out of your way to like 100 percent it or something or or get into that increased world so as much as i very much appreciate curse of darkness and what it is i will put it at the d level i feel like it feels even worse to play than lament of innocence um personally uh so still very interesting game very cool game um but i just don't like playing it very much uh this one i hear this icon here i believe this is castlevania the arcade game where you can like whip enemies and stuff i heard about this game but I have not seen much about it. I think you use, like, it's basically a light gun shooter, if I recall correctly. So um, I would love to try it out and play it. Uh, I have not seen it anywhere. I would not be surprised if it shows up at um, Game Nest at some point here in Las Vegas. But I'd have to look up some footage of this. But I would check this out if I found it. Yeah, why not? Seems cool. Alright, Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 is the next thing on this list. We're going to skip over to Lords of Shadow 1 here real quick. Just because I want to talk about these in the context of each other. Castlevania Lords of Shadow 1, game I do not like that much. Um, I have played through it three times, weirdly enough. There's reasons. I won't get into them. Uh, maybe it was two times. I don't remember. I think it was three times, though. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think this is a very drab and boring game. It feels more like just generic fantasy. It feels like a Lord of the Rings story. And it feels like the main guy is just like weird Aragon. Uh, I love the twist at the end. I won't say it, just in case you haven't been spoiled yet. Um, although we will probably be talking about that in a moment here. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. If you don't want to hear about Lords of Shadow spoilers, you know, I guess skip ahead a little bit. Um, but uh, Lords of Shadow uh, at the end turns you into Dracula. And that's probably, I think, the most interesting thing about it. There's, uh, I think, what's his name? The guy who played John luc Picard or something like that. He's like the one of the antagonist voice actors. He does a great job on delivery. But when it comes to the gameplay and the world and all that stuff, it just doesn't feel very Castlevania to me. Is it good? Sure. It just feels very generic to me. 
Um, and I just never really got into this game. And, and maybe it's a, it, like it is a game that was very popular with a lot of people. And people were like, oh, yeah, this is like where Castlevania should go. Um, but it did. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Personally, as, as somebody who is already a Castlevania fan by the time this game came out, um, I did not like it that much. So we are giving that game a D, putting it down there alongside Harmony of Despair and Curse of Darkness. Now, Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. Let's talk about video games. So Lords of Shadow 2 is definitely a worse video game than Lords of Shadow 1, I will say. Uh, but Lords of Shadow 2 is kind of ridiculous in a lot of fun ways. It does lean into the whole thing that like, hey uh main gabriel is now dracula and he is like actual dracula not like soma cruz fake i'm dracula kind of thing not fake but you know soma cruz does not do much as dracula and you do not play as soma cruz much as dracula i think there might be something in donna sorrow where you can do some weird stuff or like it's like a story point when he kind of becomes dracula but it doesn't really matter in the case of this game you are dracula you get some skills and abilities based off that you largely just play like the original lords of shadow game though i think you have like a weird blood whip that comes out of your hand or something so he more or less still uses a whip um and i remember like the fact that they take your moveset away from you was really kind of annoying because it felt like you were just kind of limited for no reason after playing Lords of Shadow 1. But that's a problem that like Metroid Prime games have and everything like that too. So, uh, but I love that this game like has scenes like set in the modern day. I think that's really fun and unique um, in the Castlevania because it feels like you're, it's not just like, you know, so or Area of Sorrow where it's just like, yeah, this is set in the modern day, but it's old Castlevania. This is legit modern day areas you know, and it feels like modern day areas you are fighting, you know, modern day weaponry, the military, all those kind of things. There's like some really weird self-mission things you got to do, but I think they're kind of neat. Like that's a lot of variety. And the story is like really ridiculous and fun in a way that I want like Castlevania to be campy with, right? I want it to be campy. Um, and, and that was something that Lords of Shadow 1 was lacking. So I came away really liking Lords of Shadow 2, despite most people not liking it. Um, I'm going to put this up here at the, Ooh, ooh I am, I'm tempted. So like my, like if I was going to do muscle, muscle memory or muscle feeling like let my body choose what's going on here. B sound B feels right. But if I use my brain, my brain's like, what if I got a little spicy? What if I brought this up to an A rank? Because it's doing so many neat things. It, and I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's a little bland in some regards, but I think it plays well and fine. Like it's not not something that's like, yeah. I think I think like looking at the games that are at the B tier, I think Castlevania like like Circle of the Moon suffers from gameplay aspects, and then you have Donosaro, which just like literally doesn't do anything of interest, right? So I think you have a game that like largely more or less plays good, and then does some interesting things on top. I think that's an A rank game. We're, we're putting Lords of Shadow 2 at A rank. Blasphemous. But that's what we're doing today. Uh, I don't know what this one is. Let me see if I can zoom in on this and see see what this is. Um, I do not recognize this box art. Dracula, that might... Is that Haunted Castle? That might be Haunted Castle. Nope, Haunted Candles successful. I don't know what this game is. Uh, if I remember, we will uh, we will get to it. All right. <laughs> we'll come back to that, maybe. Let me zoom back out. Hopefully, I haven't been zoomed in too far this whole time. Okay. I don't remember what that is. Uh, if I can remember by the time we're done, I'll, I'll comment on it. 
The next game is Castlevania 3. This is a really cool game that I think is just really intense with playing the US version of the game. I played the virtual console version, which was especially intense. I'll get into that in a second. If you don't know what this game is, this is the one where you can switch between playing uh, Trevor Belmont, Grant Dynasty, or Alucard. Um, so, you know, pretty... Oh, no, what is... No, is this it? Is this not it? What is going on here? What is this game? Okay, so I think what's happening here is that it is the Japanese box art for Castlevania 3, and whoever made this list said, hey, here's the US box art for Dracula's Curse, because there are differences between Dracula's Curse and Castlevania 3. Um, I am going, I have not played Japanese Castlevania 3, um, but we're just going to put, I'm just going to talk about it anyways. Um, so yeah, so it's really cool because you can switch between these different characters, although you can only have two at once, which is kind of a big limiting factor in the game, unfortunately. Um, but the US version of the game is particularly challenging. Um, and, uh, because they made it harder, I think largely combat rentals and things like that. I don't know. I don't think this is a disc game in Japan. I don't know if it had a save system in Japan or not. Um, but it was really challenging here in the U S I had a really hard time playing through Castlevania three. I stressed immensely when I sat down and tried to play through it on the Wii virtual console. And I had an even harder time because the final boss fight of that game was not emulated properly. Um, I don't know how many people realized this at the time, and maybe I could be wrong, but when I looked up footage of this game, otherwise, when Dracula shoots fire out of his mouth, it comes out as like a single line of fire. But for some reason, the virtual console release, the fire would spawn all over the screen in different random spots. So you would just be like standing there and just randomly take damage because fire spawned on top of you. Um, so what I would do is I would try to minimize the damage as much as possible and like turn into Alucard and fly in the corner of the screen, or maybe it was like climb in the corner of the screen as Grant. I can't remember for sure which one was which. But yeah, there was like some problem there with like how how the uh, fire effects worked at the final boss fight, which was really challenging to get through. And and you had to with that game, you know, on the Wii Virtual Console, you did not have like real safe states. You had safe states of when like you last played the game, so you could save where you left off, but you couldn't um you couldn't like create save states and roll back save files. So so it was a pretty challenging game to sit down and play through. But I think the ideas are really cool. It's a ton of variety in the gameplay. And when we think about you know what that original Castlevania format was within the Castlevania series itself uh, before they really kind of expanded the moveset of the characters. Um, Castlevania 3 is like a really great game in that regard. Um, I think the biggest challenge it has, at least with the US version, is just how hard it is. It is a very unforgiving game in that regard. Um, and and so it makes it really hard to... to um, um, play, in my opinion. However, I think everything else about it is really cool, really great. And if you can get into that combat, I think it is worth um, pushing pushing through. So we're going to A rank those. I'm going to put both the Japanese and US release there just because I don't care um, for that. Castlevania The Adventure on Game Boy. I actually did play a lot of this um, as a kid growing up. Um, it was very slow and very bad. And everyone I remember talking about it later also agree with that sentiment. Great music, though. I love the... Uh, I'm not going to try to sing that anymore. Um, but I do like the music quite a bit. But this is one of those games that I don't think it's salvageable. I have not beat the adventure anytime recently. But in my memory of that game and looking at people playing it recently, um, I think I can pretty comfortably say D rank. May I will be regretting that in the future. I, this might be a game I even put maybe lower than D Maybe maybe I'm giving Harmony Despair too much of a hard time making that in the bottom of the list. Maybe the Adventure is the one. I think if I if I had beaten Adventure, that would have been my go-to one to put at the bottom of the list here. But because I have not beaten it, I feel a little iffy about putting it on the list. But I think I can pretty confidently say that's where it's going to exist for me in the near future. 
Dracula X Chronicles. This is the PSP remake of Castlevania Rondo of Blood, Dracula X or whatever it's called. Um, so this is the remake of the PC Engine game specifically. Um, and uh, I, so I don't know the difference between this game and the, the, the original one in terms of like structure for the levels, difficulty, movesets, things like that. The big thing I know is just that they put a lot of 3D graphics and they changed the voice acting and, and things like that. And it's very cool and it plays very, very good. Um, it is, I don't know how to put this, but it feels like a very um, stiff Castlevania game, but it has a lot of neat acrobatics in it. So I think even though it is maybe a little challenging to play in the modern era, um, there are enough like moveset options that you have as the player that if you really learn it, you can kind of figure out what to do. And there's also like the Maria mode and stuff, which is pretty neat and a way for you to get to the game if you have trouble with Richter as well. I actually never fully finished the Maria mode, I found out later. Um, and so I need to probably at some point, uh, play through Maria's mode in there. Um, but we'll see if that ever happens, but really cool art design. Voice acting is a little flat, but overall just like a really well-made Castlevania game with enough, like not only, you know, important elements in terms of cutscenes being kind of a part of it, but also just a lot of nice visual flair. Great looking PSP game as well. Going to put that in the A rank there. Technically also includes Cynthia the Night. And, um, and, and Dracula X in there, although Rondo of Blood in there, I guess I should say. Although I don't think the Rondo of Blood version in there is a like highly regarded version. I think it is kind of um, iffy overall. So that is at the A rank if I did not say that. That is, that is where that went. Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. Dissonance. I always want to say despair. Um, Harmony of Dissonance is probably... One of the, at least, games that I found most disappointing initially when I started really getting into Castlevania. So after I played Cynthia and I, I was like, this is a very cool franchise. I would love to play more of these games. Um, and, or no, actually, no, I, I messed that up. So I played Castlevania Cynthia and I initially, and then I kind of like dropped off of it. And then I picked up Area of Sorrow. Like, Area of Sorrow is awesome. And then I was like, I want to play more of these games. So I went back and played Cynthia and I first. And then I was like, what if I picked up Circle of the Moon and Harmony of Despairs or Dissonance as well? So I picked both of those up. I enjoyed Circle of the Moon. Harmony of Dissonance, I was not super into. So the one thing I say cool about Harmony of Dissonance, although it might be too much of a good thing in some ways that it makes it kind of worse, is I do like that they like have forward dashing in that game. So it's like really cool to dash back and forth. But I remember the level design of that game just being like really long and really corridory, and it was really hard to navigate the world. I don't know if this is true, but recently somebody told me there was like not a great fast travel system in the game either. I seem to recall there being ways you can fast travel between the points. So I won't weigh that in my ranking here, but there might be some issue with the fast travel system. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, one thing that I do think that I would like to revisit this game for though, is I don't remember interacting super a ton with like the, uh, elemental, um, sub weapon system, which seems to be kind of a big aspect of this game. You can like attach gems to your, your whip. And it does, I think, affect your whips, like elements and stuff like that. But it also changes like your sub weapons and how those work. Um, I seem to recall that those sub weapons burned a lot of magic points and the game did not like give you a lot of resources to restore magic points. So it did not really encourage you to utilize those sub weapons frequently from my memory. Um, but again, I have not played it in a very long time, but this is a game that I did not like very much. I think the music's not particularly good. I think if you go listen to it, like the, the, the actual compositions are fine. It's just the, like the sound font and everything they use is pretty, pretty rough and pretty bad. 
Um, I do think it is a like solid Cynthia Knight style game, but I think it's just underwhelming in pretty much most ways. Um, although I think there's something to be said about how bright it is because, you know, they were trying to make up for the fact that there's no backlighting and Circle of the Moon was so dark. It was so hard for some people to see. And I kind of like the after effects of that where Harmony of Dis- Dissonance has like this kind of neon look to it in a lot of ways that make it kind of look visually unique. However, I will be putting this at a, as a D-tier Castlevania game, unfortunately. Uh, Harmony of Dissonance. Maybe that'll change. Maybe it'll come up to like a C later on if I revisit it. But, you know, we'll see. Castlevania The Adventure Rebirth. I have this. I have not played through it yet, unfortunately. As far as I'm aware, it's very different from Castlevania The Adventure, um, despite being kind of based off the same thing. I think this might have been the last Castlevania game Igarashi worked on. That sounds right. Um, So it is on my list of to-dos. I don't really have any particular interest in this outside just the fact that it's on WiiWare, and that's kind of neat. I think WiiWare games are very interesting because they had so many limitations that they had to deal with. DSiWare games as well because they had so little space to work with on that that flash um, memory on the Wii. So I think there's a lot of interesting things you can do, or rather or interesting limitations Wii games had, and it's interesting to see how games um, uh, overcame those. Uh, the Adventure Rebirth, whether that had to tra- challenge any of those things, I don't know, but, you know, maybe. So the next game on this list is Castlevania Legacy of Darkness, and I'm going to dispel some rumors and speculation out there about Castlevania Legacy of Darkness. I hear a lot of people say you should only play Legacy of Darkness because it contains Castlevania 64 in it. Um, And on paper, that very much looks like it's the case, but that is not really true. Um, You do, in fact, get Reinhardt Schneider and Carrie Fernandez from Castlevania 64 in Castlevania Legacy of Darkness. However, the level design for them has changed significantly, and I feel like the level design of the game was changed for the worse overall. Um, It feels like it's a lot slower paced. It's more puzzle focused. I don't know if that has to do with the fact that Ocarina of Time came out like when around that time or something. Probably not. I feel like game development takes too long. That probably wasn't the case. But in case it did, it does feel like it's trying to be a little more like a puzzle, you know, dungeon action game rather than like a pure action platformer kind of thing in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, I just think it leans too hard in a lot of the elements of the game that, that didn't need to be leaned into. And it really slows down the game. They add an escort mission and things like that. Um, there technically is an escort mission in Castlevania 64, but it's just not really a real escort mission. It's just basically like a visual escort mission. Like you're, you're visually escorting somebody, but it doesn't have any real effect on how you play the game where, where legacy of darkness does add an escort mission that has a way effect on how you play the game. Everything in legacy of darkness just feels like it takes too long. However, it is definitely cleaned up from a UI perspective. If you play the game in 240p versus 480i runs way better than Castlevania 64 ever did. So, you know, there's a lot of good things to say about it. A lot more levels, uh, a lot of good music in there as well. Um, but it is just a worse game overall. Um, is it still a good game? I think so. However, I don't think it does anything unique enough to make it like stand out in a way from Castlevania 64 beyond just cleaning up some stuff and adding some new content. I do like the story of Cornell. Um, but I'm going to put it at the B tier here just because I don't feel like there's anything that makes it like stand out a ton, unfortunately. It, it feels like more Castlevania 64, but in some ways worse Castlevania 64. But it's a trade-off, right? There are some things that that, that it does better than Castlevania 64 does and th- some things that Legacy of Darkness does does well. I think Legacy of Darkness really interrupts the pacing of Castlevania 64 in a lot of ways. 
Castlevania Order of Ecclesia. This is the last DS release on the Nintendo DS. I'm a little conflicted about this one. I'm not a huge fan of Order of Ecclesia. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what my problems were with this game. I think a lot of it comes down to a lot of what makes this game stand out is two things. One is presentation. This game really ramped up the presentation on the Castlevania games. Like Portrait of Ruin looks like a really good game. These games sound great and everything, but but it really kind of feels like a buffed up Game Boy Advance Castlevania um, where where um, Order of Ecclesia feels like the next step in that Symphony of the Night direction when it comes to graphics on the DS and everything. So I, I really super appreciate visually what it's doing. It's also a very challenging game. And while I don't particularly like what the story is doing, I do think some of the characters are cool. I think his name's Bal... Bal... Nah, is it Bal... Bal something? I don't know. There's a guy with a gun. He's pretty all right in that game. Um, he's kind of an asshole, but he's kind of an asshole that I like. Um, and, and I think people like Shinoa as well. I'm not a big fan of Shinoa. I'm not a huge fan of the, like you know, intentionally lacks emotion kind of character stereotype outside of like, you know, maybe for a particular part of a game. I don't care for it as like the entire character for the entire game. It's a big part of why I don't like to be in, 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 uh, in near automata either. So I'm really split on this one. This is a really, really good game. I do appreciate that it does focus more on magic. Like every attack you do in the game is based around magic in a lot of ways. Although a lot of it is just replaced by like basically magic weapons. So I feel like the actual like use case of them doesn't feel that different from area of sorrow. And I seem to recall there being significantly less options than area of sorrow and Donna sorrow as well. Oh, I'm split on this one. I think it's going to be a or B. Let me, let me think about these in the context of the other games on this list. We got legacy of darkness, disappointing stuff in that. Um, Dawn of Sorrow, which is a good game, but I feel like it does everything worse, but, but better. And then there's Circle of the Moon, which has some neat ideas, but it's kind of bad. I'm going to put it a, I think the reason why is because it is a really good game in a lot of ways. And there are things that I think it definitely was trying and was like really improving on the series with. I, I think I could go with either A or B, but when I look at the context of what we have at B here, I do think it is just a little bit above these games, but I think it is a little low, below what I have kind of set out otherwise of these other games on this list. But it is a really good game. It does have some unique elements to it, which I appreciate. It does have areas outside of the castle as well. I just don't think it's as well executed as Portrait of Ruin. It does try to do... Um, um, the like Shaman King Master of Spirits thing where you're like navigating a, like an outside area outside of town. Um, but I don't think it really ever builds a world in the way that Master of Spirits does. Why is why is Shaman King Master of Spirits not on this list? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll Bonus, we'll add Master of Spirits at the end if I remember too. Although I won't like actually visually add it. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, Order of Closure, we're going to go with A for that. I think I'm a little mixed on that. Maybe like a B plus or A minus on that. But you know, we got what we need there for that. Okay, we're back. Actual vanilla Castlevania for the NES. Castlevania for the NES. Um, I'm going to say it's going to fall in that kind of uh, uh, Cynthia the Night space here. Um, it is very much a game that, um, you know, it, it, it set the foundation for the franchise and there's definitely good things about it and it plays very well. Um, but I, but because it is that kind of foundational game, I think there's not a lot very special about it. So in the context of the series as a whole, it's a little bland if you go back to it. 
But, you know, if you were to play that as your first game, I think it'd be a great starting point, right? Um, for that, for that normal style. So I'm going to put it at C here, solid game. Just, I think, you know, the context of the series is not, not quite that special, unfortunately. Maybe just like punctual. That's maybe the nice thing about it. Very quick and punctual game in that regard versus Castlevania 3, which is maybe a little long. Um, but yeah, Simon's Quest I have not played. That's the infamous Castlevania 2. I will say that I'm very split on how I want to handle Simon's Quest because I know there's like a fan translation that improves some of the dialogue. And also just general quality of life things as a whole. But I kind of want to just see that game for what it is. So maybe eventually we'll get back to that. Although I feel like that's a game you need a guide for. So let me try to zoom in on this one down here. I'm not sure what game this is. Order of Shadows. I think that might have been a mobile phone game. Let me look that up real quick. Castlevania Order of Shadows. And when I say mobile phone game, I mean like old school phone, Nokia phone kind of game. Yeah, this looks like a Nokia phone kind of thing. I mean, I, or maybe this is actually, maybe this was on, huh, let me see what, let me see what platforms this was on real quick. Let's, let's look this up. 2007, this is on J2ME and on Windows Mobile in 2008. So yeah, I mean, this is like, um, you know, right before that smartphone era of, of mobile game kind of thing. Um, probably not very good, but, oh, who can say? I would love for this to show up on like the Switch or something at some point. Like have G-Mode put it out. I don't think G-Mode's doing anything outside of their own franchises though. Interesting thing. I love to look at those games. They're usually bad. Haunted Castle I've heard a lot of very negative things about. I think that might be in the game collection that they put out recently as well. I could be wrong about that. I think there are ways to play Haunted Castle these days that are not an arcade machine. This is Mirror Fate again versus Mirror Fate HD. So everything I said about Mirror Fate already. Okay, Kid Dracula. This is the only version of Kid Dracula I've played. It's the Famicom version, but they, I believe they translated it in that collection that they put out um, on on uh, PS4 and Xbox uh, One. Yeah, uh, Kid Dracula is a game that is really weird. It plays probably more like a Mega Man game than it does a Castlevania game in a lot of ways. Um, I did not love it. It's definitely very cute aesthetically, but from a gameplay perspective, I remember it just kind of like dragging on and there not being anything very interesting about the game itself. It just was like a cute little platformer, um, which is not a bad thing, but I just don't think it really stood out. And I don't remember it like standing out as a cute little platformer either. It's more just the novelty of playing like Castlevania in that form, um, that kind of like Mega Man style uh, game. Um, I remember like uh, Alucard himself being a little big in that game too, which made kind of like dodging enemies feel kind of weird. There was a part of the game that was actually pretty hard towards the end as well, but um, Castlevania 4... This is the Super Nintendo Castlevania. Um, I think everybody likes that whip to some degree, the giant whip that Simon has, where he can whip it in like all eight directions. That's really cool. However, it's also a problem for the game as well because um, it kind of like makes sub weapons kind of useless. So you just kind of spend the entire game whipping everything. Really cool a soundtrack though, um, in terms of like being a very ambient soundtrack, which you know would come into play with Castlevania 64. Uh, a bit later as well with that. So it's interesting. Um, is it a good game? It's definitely a good showpiece of what the Super Nintendo could do very early on. I don't hate the game, though I do think it is a little like boring at times. I think there's like enough cool, interesting things in this game that I'm going to put at the C level here. I think it does a lot of neat things with it's like, you know, using mode seven and things like that on the Super Nintendo. It feels more like a technical showpiece than anything else, but it is still a good game. 
And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of respect this era of Castlevania where, like, every Castlevania on every platform was different in some different way. So that's, uh, that's pretty neat. Um, this says Simon's Quest, which I think is just maybe Castlevania 2 again. This is the Japanese version or... This says redacted. I'm going to guess this is the version that was like the fan translation. So they broke it out on this list separately. So we won't worry about that. All right. Uh, before we get into Bloodstain, we can talk about uh, Grimoire Souls. That's the iOS game that came out a while ago. Or rather, I think it was like in beta on Android. And then there was the iOS version that is like the actual final release. Um I don't know anybody who plays this game, but it is something that I've always kind of wanted to check out. It's kind of like quick dungeon runs playing with like a bunch of variety of Castlevania characters, but it all, it is all touchscreen focused, but I kind of liked the idea. It has like four player multiplayer as well. I think it's what I always kind of wanted Harmony Despair to be. It's a bit more focused and not so like giant dungeon. You're just kind of like navigating. Maybe it's a little too small in some degree because it is very much built for that bite-sized mobile experience. But I think I'd rather take that over like Harney Despair. But unfortunately, I don't have an Android de- or a um, uh, Apple device to check that out. And I don't think they've announced any plans to bring it over to Android. I think it's specifically a part of Apple Arcade. So you have to be a part of their subscription service for that. So. All right. Bloodstained. Uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. If you haven't heard, I freaking love Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. We're going to put this at the S level because this is maybe... Ooh, this game. Um, there's a lot of awesome things about this video game. I love any creates. First and foremost, let me say that. I love any creates. I love the games they make. Sometimes they, they have a miss. Gunvolt, Mighty Gunvolt Burst is a miss. Um, but you know, I, I I love how they blend action or speed with action, I guess, and build characters around that. Um, and what's really cool about Curse of the Moon specifically is that this game, um, is not only a tribute to Castlevania games of old, a sequel to Castlevania 3 in a lot of ways in terms of mechanics, but it's also its complete own unique thing as well. Um, Unfortunately, it hides these things a little bit. When you first start playing this game, the only one that's really presented to you is the sequel part to Castlevania 3. You know, basically you can play as uh, four characters, but in this case, you have them with you at all times. You can switch between them instantly. There's not like a load time when you just switch between them like there was on the NES. And, and so you can do some really interesting things with, with like the character combinations. You have, you know, very much a Belmont style main character, um, although maybe he has like a, a sword set of a whip, so he's a little short range. Then you have like Miriam from the, the main Bloodstained game, and she's like a bit more nimble and has the longer reach. Then you have like a mage guy, I forget his name. And then you have, um, Gilbert, I think his name, or Gil, Gil, I don't remember his name, but the, the guy with like the, uh, the enemy guy that basically replaces the Alucard role in, in that game as well. And like, you just easily switch between them. The levels are designed in ways that you can basically go down multiple paths, depending on who you have. Each character has their own strength. And also because each character has their own health bar and life system, basically, um, it makes it really easy to, to get through. You know, if you want to, you know, try to go out of your way to not die and, 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 and finish it at a harder level, you can, but, um, you know, if you're just trying to get through the game as a whole, it's very forgiving in a lot of ways, um, which is really cool. And while it does require you to play through the game essentially twice, just using like one less character at some point, um, it is really rewarding when you do so because you unlock um, two other modes, essentially. You have 
a mode where you can play as, or actually, you don't. You might not even need to beat the game to do this. Um, you might be able to just do this from the start if you want. But you have a mode that plays more like a standard Castlevania game, like more of like Castlevania One. You know, the main character doesn't get any partners, doesn't get any special abilities. He just is that same hunky chunky guy that walks forward, jumps at like an angle, and then and then has his little short range reach with a delay on it, right? And as far as I can tell, you can play the entire game that way. I did not finish the game that way, I will say. I was just like, ah, this is fine. I'm good. It's all right. Actually, maybe I did finish the game. I don't remember. I, I may or I have to go back and look. I think I may be 100% that game, but I, I, I seem to recall that being at least the, the path I was least enthusiastic about. Just because as much as I like old school Castlevania, uh, that like baseline Castlevania 1 experience is just kind of like, okay, this is fine. Um, and then you also have the one where you can uh, basically play as one character, but like deck your character out in abilities that make him basically play like a Ninja Gaiden character within a Castlevania world. And it is awesome. It is great. So you have like these three distinct play styles. And, and you know, even though you're playing through the same world every time, the world is built to work with all three of these play styles. And I can't think of like a game that has simultaneously, you know, been a throwback been an improvement, and then also been something completely different all in one title. It's crazy, especially since this game was kind of pitched as just like a mighty gunvolt kind of situation of like, here's a little cute throwback to, you know, the genre that you really liked. Like, here's a mighty gunvolt, you know, it basically plays like a Mega Man game. It's not really a full Mega Man game, but it's there. No, they just like went all out with this game, and it's amazing. Unfortunately, I have not played Curse of the Moon 2. I went through limited run games for that, but they took forever to get me a copy um you know from purchasing it i'm not asking for a copy for free um like you know they, they were like we're going to do physical orders for this and then it took like a year for them to even like take pre-orders and like a year to even ship it and by the time it was out i was just like i i'll get to this eventually it just eh. yeah if i didn't go through limited runs for curse of the moon 2 i would have been much happier i think and i would have sat down and played that game immediately because i was very excited for it so Leave that be. Um, if I didn't say it earlier, Curse of the Moon 1, though, S-ranked game, top-tier Castlevania game, probably the best retro-style Castlevania game, and also it has really awesome new stuff in it as well. Or, I guess, Bloodstained game. But, you know, yeah, same, some kind of thing. Actual Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. Um, if you didn't hear my feelings about this game when it came out, I was not a huge fan of Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. It's not bad. I think it's fine. Um... My biggest problem with Ritual of the Night was that it was basically, you know, when they announced that game, they announced it very much as like, we're going to make Cynthia the Night again, um, which they deceived you. What they're actually doing is making Area of Sorrow again, which is cool. Area of Sorrow, great game. Like, yes, don't make Cynthia the Night again. Make Area of Sorrow again. That is the right move. But then advertise it as Cynthia the Night again. They did a good job of that. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, the yeah, Cynthia the Night is all, the one that everybody loves. But the one that actually is the good video game is Area of Sorrow. <laughs> not that this is a nice sound of bad video game. But, you know, it is the best of that series, in my opinion. So they did a good work there. However, I was hoping they would do more. I was hoping to get more out of that game. Um, and I feel like that they more or less just built Area of Sorrow again in a lot of ways. Um, they did add additional things that were kind of unique, I will say, but none of those were the focus. The focus was very much the Area of Sorrow style crystal system. They had the ability for you to like aim your arm around and that changed some dynamics, but I think you look at games like Castlevania 4 and how those kind of like dynamical, uh, dynamic, you know, attacks work and how it kind of, in some ways, I feel interrupts the flow of a Castlevania game, even though it's very cool interrupts the flow of playing in a Castlevania, a traditional 2D Castlevania environment, I should say. And so I just don't really feel like it 
melded into the game super well. It was a cool addition, but the game didn't feel built around it in a way that made sense uh, outside of some very specific puzzles. So um, I will say what did, um, you know, kind of save that game for me was how much they improved the kick aspect of the game. Castlevania kicks have never been like a big thing for damage. I mean, there's probably like some abusive ways you can use it in tasks and speed runs. But when we're talking like standard Castlevania gameplay, you know, kicks were never a really big thing. And when I found out you could really go through Bloodstained by kicking like that, that you could do a lot of amazing things with that. Holy crap, I went hard on kicking and it was great. I loved that aspect of the game. Did I feel like I was playing the game as intended? No, it felt like it broke some parts of the game. There's like a part of the game where they're like, oh, here's a spike boss. And like, I'm gonna put on spike armor. I'm just gonna kick his head in over and over and over again. And I would do that. And like most of the bosses in that game, I would just kick their heads in over and over and over again and just like burn through them. Um, So it was really fun in that regard, but it did feel like I wasn't really playing the game as intended. So, you know, it definitely was um, an experience for sure. So um, for actual ranking, though, this is a hard one. I did want to like guns in that game, too, but I felt like the guns were a little too uh, cumbersome to use, I will say. So if they do make a Bloodstain 2 and they don't do a lot to improve it, I would say I would really like them to add guns um, in that game. Like add it well, add it in a way that like it feels like a way you can actually play through the game and not like some weird afterthought. Um... Yeah, Bloodstained, I think I'm going to, as much as I like the kicking aspect of the game, which is very cool, I don't feel like that really fits into the design of the game super well. We're going to see that one, you know? It's just, I just think it just did, like, Area of Sorrow is a game that I think did a lot, and I feel like Bloodstained, you know, Ritual of the Night did not. Um, And so it feels like a game that they were making, it feels like they were making the game that would come out after Area of Sorrow, like, you know, like 10 years way, way too late. You know, like this is, this is, this feels like a game that was trying to do what Portrait of Ruin was trying to do essentially. And like Portrait of Ruin went a different way and did like, I think overall was a better execution of like taking those elements and building upon them. I, I feel like Ritual of the Night's just too, too direct from Area of Sorrow to really be interesting to me. So I think that's it. Um, so uh, like I said earlier, I'm going to p- place Shaman King Master of Spirits on this list. Uh, if you don't know Shaman King Master of Spirits, I did a video about it before. Uh, basically, it allow, or it's a game that is built probably on the Harmony of Dissonance or Area of Sorrow engine. It's hard to say for sure, but it's built on some Castlevania engine and it has a soul element similar to Area of Sorrow. Um, it came out after Area of Sorrow, though. It did have like the ability to switch between different soul sets uh, before Donasar did. So very cool. Very interesting. Um, I think that game's going to be a... Hmm, let me think. There's two games, actually. They're both very similar in a lot of ways, um, unfortunately. Um, there are a lot of problems with, with Shaman King. Does this bother me? So the thing with Shaman King is that, like, you have a whole world you're exploring, and it's not just, like, a Castlevania map, but, like, you basically have, like, a Mario World-style map where you're going around to these different dots, and each and within each of those dots is, like, a whole little Castlevania level in there. Similar to, actually, what Order of Ecclesia does, but much better implemented, in my opinion. Um, the biggest problem is just that you have to move from dot to dot to dot, and so it ta- it's really tedious to navigate around the world, honestly. Um, but at the very same time, it also makes it feel like the world is a world. It feels like you're traveling to these different locations in a way that Order of Ecclesia I don't feel like ever really does. Um, and so I think there's a lot of really cool ideas in the game, and and even though it's maybe a little lower budget than a Castlevania game and ha- lacks maybe some of the variety 
that the game has. I think the general ideas and execution are really neat and unique. So we're actually going to put Shaman King Master of Spirits 1 at the A level. And then Master of Spirits 2 is mainly just an improvement on Master of Spirits 1. Didn't add enough to elevate it in any way. It had a worse story, that's for sure. If you don't know, Shaman King Master Spirits 2 story is like, you are like, oh, evil thing is happening. I don't know the Shaman King story. Don't, like, I, I don't know anything about it. Um, but they're, they're basically like, oh, bad thing's happening. Uh, buddies, can you help me? And then all your buddies are just like, I gotta go shopping. I'm leaving. <laughs> it's like, okay, bye, Anna. <laughs> and then like, at the end, they're just like, oh, and this story never really happened. Everybody, nobody ever talked about what happened during this game ever again. Like, they didn't say it wasn't canon, but they were like, uh, nobody talked about it ever again. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to put it at B just because of the lack of uh, uh, new ideas in the game. I think it came out like very soon after Shaman King Master Spirits 1. So I'll put the uh, Shaman King Master Spirits 1 at A, Master Spirits 2 at B. Technically, 2 is probably a better game overall, but I appreciate what Master Spirits 1 did um, initially first and, and building upon it. Especially, I, I super appreciate Shaman King because at the time, Castlevania was so stuck in a rut in its area design. Portrait of Ruin that happened like... I don't know, three or four years later is the, when they finally addressed that, where Shaman King was just like, we built out a whole world outside of the Dr Dracula's castle, basically. Come come one, come all to the fantastical theme park that is the Shaman King universe, Castlevania fans. So I think it's really funny that I think a bunch of Castlevania or Shaman King fans watch my video uh, about Shaman King Master Spirits, and I'm just like, I don't know shit about this anime, <laughs> but this game's cool. <laughs> Admittedly, that is most of my videos about anything based off like a TV property or anime property. So anyway, so if I had a read off there for you guys who are not here watching that on a screen, we got Castlevania 64, Area of Sorrow, and Curse of the Moon at one. That's Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. On the A rank, we have Castlevania Portrait of Ruin, Castlevania Lord of Shadow 2, Curse of Darkness, or Dracula's Curse, the Castlevania 3. Um... Uh, Dracula X Chronicles, and then also um, Order of Ecclesia. That's at the A rank. For B, we got Dawn of Sorrow, Circle of the Moon, and Legacy of Darkness. And then C, we got Synth of the Night, Lament of Innocence, Castlevania Judgment, Castlevania Vanilla Edition on the NES, um, Super Castlevania 4, and Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. And on the D level, we have Castlevania Harmony of Despair, Castlevania Curse of Darkness, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, Castlevania The Adventure, Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, and then also uh, Kid Dracula for the Famicom slash NES. And then all these other games listed here I have not played and will not get to anytime soon, unfortunately. I was like really intending to finish up all these games probably about in like 2015. Um, but then I got really weird on some other tracks, and that's been really my focus. And, and mainstream franchises like Castlevania have become less and less important to me to look at, unfortunately. So I'm interested in seeing what Bloodstain's doing and watching the series as it goes forward. But unfortunately, going backwards is a little bit harder for me at this point for franchises like this. I would rather look at a lot of other video games first, I think. But, you know... Either way, I do want to do a Legacy of Darkness video at some point to get a bit more in-depth in there. But that is my final tier list. Uh, also, Shaman King was at A rank, and then uh, Shaman King Master Spirits 2 was at B rank. I forgot to include those in there. So, anyways, that's it.
Thanks for coming. OneChillBoard.com is the next uh, the podcast. We'll be back next week with a normal episode. Um, you know, as you're listening to this, I should be back on a like, I guess not necessarily normal schedule, but a new schedule that is more normalized um, in terms of my personal life and work. So my my hope is is that this means going forward we can get back to making actual content and not me, just me posting, you know podcasts and streams every week kind of thing right um which i mean i'm still gonna do but um you know having more content in addition so anyways thank you guys so much for coming like i said i have a shaman king master of spirits video i also have a castlevania legacy or castlevania 64 video i would recommend those two the most i also have a couple different bloodstained videos but i don't think those matter as much so i wouldn't worry too much about those but the uh, castlevania 64 and uh, the um um, um, Shaman King Master Spirits videos for sure. Check those out. Those I think are the most interesting videos I have within this space. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Again, onecontrolbar.com is the website. I hope you have a great week. Bye!